Okay, let's go. Broadcasting across Loch Ray on 102.9 FM on your smart speaker and smart device across the globe. This is Loch Ray Community Radio. Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty, a weekly show that focuses on mental health and well-being. Sundays on Loch Ray Community Radio, brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care, funeral directors caring for your peace of mind. Hello, you're very welcome along to today's episode of Mind the Head here on LCR 102.9 FM. A very big thank you to Denise for the last hour with A Vibrant Life. And Denise is back with you again next Sunday from 11am. A quick mention about today's sponsor, I've got a note from them here. The sponsor of today's show is Dignity Funeral Care, and they are based in Lochray and Partumna. If you want more information, you can pop onto their website, dignityfuneralcare.ie. And a big thank you to them for sponsoring today's show. So, to introduce today's guest. I'm delighted to be joined by Barry Williams. Um, hello, Barry. Hello, how are you? Uh, lovely to see you. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I know how busy you are, so I really appreciate that. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, you've written a book, which I will let you tell us the title of the book, please. Yes, absolutely. So I have written a book called Thank You, COVID. Um, during the pandemic, like everybody, we all experienced an awful lot of stress. Um, but um, my life, I suppose, started to change during the pandemic. I um, experienced a breakup in a relationship um, and then my landlord decided she needed the property back for her family. Uh, so I had to move house. And then the following month, I lost my job. So within three months, I suppose I had three big whacks to my life. Um, I mean, one of those is enough, like, I mean, without getting yeah. three, one after the other, pretty much. Yeah, I think I think one of them would have been enough, but they say bad things or good things sometimes can come in threes, and it definitely came in threes. At the time, I suppose, after the breakup, I ended up hugely um, feeling really negative about myself, and I went into an awful lot of, of, of negative self-talk. Um, and that's then when I decided I needed to go. Um, I actually went to my GP first, um, I suppose, the wake up for me was I was driving back down from Leash back down to Cork because that's where I was living at the time. And I actually fell asleep on the motorway. So as I fell asleep, um, it was only for a couple of seconds, but I went over the cat's eyes as I was heading for a wall. Um, so that you must luckily, have a huge fright. It was. And, and and I say in the book, I would have screamed only for there was no one there to hear me. Um, so um, I the car shook. And as I went over the cat's eyes and I could see I was heading for the wall um, that was between the motorway. And I, I suppose I pulled the car over. And thankfully, there was no one behind me either. And uh, sat on this on the on the whatever you'd like to call it, the hard shoulder for a little while until my heart rate went back to normal. But that evening when I got back down to Cork, it made me realize that um, I suppose my life at that time could have ended. And there was a bit of me, a part of me um, that in some ways didn't care. I, I suppose there was an awful lot of suicidal thoughts and, and, and I was feeling very low. And that's then when I decided to go see my GP. So my GP was amazing. Um, she gave me a lot of support and um, she made a referral to go on to counseling. Um, and then the day I started counselling is the day my landlord decided to tell me that she needed me to move out. So I have a chapter in the book called uh, Two Steps Back because it felt very much like that. Um, I had just taken a, a big step in my life. I felt an awful lot of kind of shame and an yeah. embarrassment at going to counselling. And then um, you do that. And then suddenly I was told, OK, the home I'd lived in for nearly eight years was now gone. So um but these things happen, I suppose. And um, one of the reasons why I wrote the book was because I it's part memoir and part self-help. I outline, I suppose, what happened to me and how I felt at the time. But then I also outline what I actually did. So I went on. Obviously, I went to counselling um, and then I also started to go to acupuncture and Reiki. I started to journal. I'd never journaled before. Um, I started to listen to podcasts about mental health um, and personal and self-development. And I did a lot of reading. And then I started taking a number of herbal supplements as well that would reduce my stress levels. I 
I didn't feel medication was the route for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it very often is, and I'm very pragmatic about med- medication, but I didn't feel, and my GP felt the same at the time, that it would be the first port of call. We'd see how I'd get on with uh, maybe looking at my diet. My caffeine intake at the time was sky high, so um, that isn't good when you're feeling very anxious. Um, so I reduced my caffeine intake, and I went really, I suppose, on a health buzz, um and not only just a health buzz on a personal development buzz so um i feel all of that helped and that's one chapter of the book and then i also speak about what i learned um so i learned about i suppose people pleasing tendencies that i had um the need for to seek validation from other people um in terms of relationships then i also learned about what's called attachment theory and love languages because uh, we all attach to new people in different ways and um, we all have a different style of attachment and I didn't really I had no awareness of my own attachment and how other people that I was meeting what their attachment was like so I decided to study love languages um, and uh, and attachment theory as well so I include that in the book um, also and then the final part is where I am now. Yeah just to kind of circle back to when you mm-hmm. first went to the GP because was it something that you were just like, okay, I've got to go to the GP? I mean, did you, was there kind of any second thoughts or were you sort of unsure about that? Or did you kind of speak to somebody else and they said to you maybe, well, maybe you should go, Barry, and see your GP? Or You sound very kind of like it was. It happened straight away, but I just wonder kind of in the background, did it take a little bit of time for you to kind of, kind of come to the realisation that you had to go and see somebody? I think the thoughts came in, it was all over the process or all over this about four days is mm. b- between the breakup and me deciding to go see the GP. Okay. Um, I felt that I knew how low I was feeling. I couldn't physically get out of bed and I hadn't eaten. So, and I felt that not only that, I wasn't able to call around to see my friends to cry on their shoulder or do whatever we normally do after a breakup or book a holiday for myself. There was no, I couldn't get away from it. And I rang my GP and um, at the time they weren't really seeing people in their clinics, but she told me to come in. So that's when I went in to meet her. It had been suggested to me by my mother that maybe it'd be worth going to talk to the doctor. And I suppose that was what I suppose gave me a little bit of confidence yeah. to feel that I could do this. Because that's a huge step and you have to kind of <laughs> give yourself a pat on the back, I suppose, or congratulate yourself that that was something that, you know, you, you did that, you took that first step. Because everyone always says that once you take the first step, that's that's it, you've done something. Yeah, and, and, and I even say that in the book, that after meeting the GP, I actually felt really good, even though I actually had done nothing really, yeah. except sit and get a referral. Um, that still took about four weeks to actually, mm. uh, in, in Ireland, unfortunately, it can take weeks. And I was very fortunate to, be able to see a, a counsellor within four weeks. Um, but uh, there was such demands on counselling and therapy services during COVID as well that mm. um, it just wasn't possible to see straight away. So that's one of the reasons why I then turned to Reiki and acupuncture, because I felt like I needed something to carry me over um, until I got to see the counsellor. I know you were talking about journaling. Mm-hmm. And to ask you, do you think that the journaling was sort of a way of helping you get this book put together and started? Because I mean, um, I, I'll be honest with you, I started the journaling because I felt like there was only so many times I could ring friends or family and tell them down the phone how I was feeling, and I felt I, I felt guilty um, in some ways because I felt like I was taking up their time and they had an awful lot of their own stresses going on at the time. Um, and I just didn't want to be that come that person that people almost avoided on the phone. Um, and, in, and in fairness, none of my friends were like that, nor mm. would they have been like that. But I felt maybe in myself that I was exhausting people, other people, and I needed an avenue to get out my thoughts. Um, so I started to journal. Sometimes I journaled twice in the day. I journaled first thing in the morning and I journal again at nighttime. Um, the question I want to ask you now then really is kind of, so you've done your journaling and you've you've gone to counselling and mm-hmm. so where did the book come into in all this process? What kind of where 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 was the moment you kind of sat back and thought, okay, I'll write a book, I'll do a book. Um, I mean, I know everyone says that everyone's got a book in them. I don't know if I have, but I mean, they say that sometimes people have books in them mm-hmm. and just but like, what was the kind of I suppose where I'm getting to with this is the light bulb moment where you were like, do you know what? Now I'm going to write a book. 
Do you know what? I never, I did say in some ways I'll write, I'm going to write a book. Um, about a year ago, I started to write passages of what I did. And I didn't know if I was going to put it on a blog uh, or if I was going to put it in a book. Mm. I just kept writing chapters of specific things I did and how they helped me and they benefited me and how you can access them or the general public can access them. So it kind of started to come together then. Um, and I felt like, okay, about about 60% of the way, then I realized, okay, this is actually going to be a book. And it kind of spurred me on to keep writing. Um, so I suppose that the light bulb moment, I don't know if there was necessarily a light bulb moment. I think what had happened was lots of my friends had seen the change in me and they had asked me what I did. And I was telling them and sending them back voice notes and suggesting herbal supplements and giving them referrals to a Reiki practitioner or an acupuncturist. And I decided, okay, it would be better if I actually wrote some of this stuff down um, and also included my experience of it as opposed to just making a kind of a how-to book. Um, yeah. Because you say the book is kind of, in your own words, part self-help, part memoir. Yeah. And in this book, you're kind of expressing a real vulnerable side to yourself. How did you feel putting that into paper and putting that out there into the world? Because, I mean, you're you're showing your true vulnerable self in that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you're leaving yourself kind of, you know, very vulnerable, like I said. Yes. Um, do you know what? I actually didn't. I told my now partner that I was writing it and I had told um, a life coach that I was using at the time that I was doing it. Um, but I actually didn't tell very many people um, because I didn't know once I had it all written if I was still going to publish it. I knew it would be a book, but I didn't know if I was going to publish it or if I was going to publish it under a pen name. And when I did tell my family, there was initial, uh, there was huge support, but there wasn't an initial, are you going to put it in your name? And obviously Ireland is a small place and people kind of worry about what will the neighbours think? But I actually, I suppose suppose they were thinking about you as well, in that they didn't want you to be kind of subjected to any sort of, you know, I mean, in the world we live in now, online abuse and that kind of thing, you know? So, I mean, they were thinking of you as well, I think. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and 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 I and I expected to be met with that. So mm. I, when when they said that, I said I think it would I'd be doing a disservice to myself if I published it in a pen name, and also I am expecting, hopefully as little as possible, but I'm expecting maybe some people won't like the book or or won't like what I've said or will maybe troll. I don't know, but at the same time, so far the response towards the book has been amazing. I've had. Lots of people message me back, sending me screenshots of chapters, being like, I felt this chapter was my chapter. Um, so and how I, do you, how do you feel to... about that when people kind of reach out to you and say, oh, I'm reading this chapter, Barry, and I really like it. And I feel like it's I can relate to it so much. I mean, how do you feel about that? Um, I get goosebumps sometimes yeah. because I feel like a these some of these people are people that I have known for years uh, and I didn't know this aspect about them. Um, and, and also I didn't... they didn't know this aspect about you as well. Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, you're really putting yourself out there, like. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, I suppose they, what, like, I've had different family members, different neighbors, different friends say to me, like, oh my gosh, that chapter really resonated with me, or that sounds like such a great suggestion. I'm going to have to give that a try. I've really struggled with this, this, and this, mm-hmm. and I think, okay, fantastic. This is getting what I think needs to happen, which is a discussion. There was mm-hmm. huge discussion around mental health during COVID, and that mm-hmm. was really important, but in some ways. And all the books that I read, in some ways, I felt like it was either very much a memoir book or it was very much a a self-help book. Mm. I wanted to blend the two into one. Um, And I've said in the book that whether it's a divorce or a job loss or losing your house or or, or a breakup or whatever kind of or grief, um, this can be relevant for you. But it's the book isn't a go do what I did. It's go find what works for you here's what I did. It may work for you, but if something else works for you, amazing. I want to give people the confidence, I suppose, and the the thought process that they need to go out and find self-care techniques that work for them. Um, I have described that in every one of our houses, we generally have a first aid kit or a first aid box with panadols and plasters mm-hmm. and whatever else. So we know what to do if we get a physical pain or a mm-hmm. physical cut, but we don't have... <clears throat> Excuse me. We don't have mental uh, mental first aid kits in our home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have a go to 
guide or a go-to space that we know that, okay, I'm going to book an acupuncture session because this is, I'm getting really stressed and angry, or I'm going to book uh, for a massage or a reflexology or a Reiki session, or I'm going to start taking these herbal supplements, or I need to start journaling or walking or looking at my diet, my coffee intake has increased. It, that's that's what I suppose I hope the book will be is that when people start to know that maybe things aren't as they would like them, that they can say, okay, I need to open up that book again and maybe pick out one or two things or three things or five things or eight things that will work for me or help me just to get me back on track. You mentioned self-care there. And mm -hmm. would I be right to say that that's something that we are quite bad at mm -hmm. is doing self-care? <laughs> I think uh, in, uh, as humans and, and, and as also as Irish people, we are, uh, we forget that we cannot look after anybody else until we've looked after ourselves. Mm. Uh, and also as well, sometimes we're made to feel that self-care is selfish and um, that saying no or prioritizing ourselves is we're being selfish towards our family or our friends or our partners or, or our work. Um, and in many ways, we're not. If the reason we're saying no is because we want to, or we're feeling, we're becoming exhausted, or we're feeling that our stress levels are at an unhealthy rate, uh, then I think it is really, really important that we say, okay, I need to spend some money on myself. Um, and it's not about, maybe retail therapy is, uh, I for me, it's not any form of self-care personally. Oh, I hate but, the process of it. No, no yes, way. God, no way. I find it, I find it um, not enjoyable, no. but maybe for others it is. Mm. What I do, and I suppose lots of people may now have Revolut and they'd know that there's a vault on Revolut and you can save a little bit of money each month into the vault. I each month put money into a self-care vault um, and each month then that's what I pay for my acupuncture or my Reiki sessions, or if I want to buy some more herbal supplements or do something, go for a massage or whatever else, that's m where the money comes from because I've been putting money into it every month great idea. and I still continue to do so. Yeah. It's a brilliant idea. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I lost my train of thought there. I had a question to ask and it's gone. I was on top of my head, but, um, just to come back to your book again, I mean, you've self-published this book. Yeah, yeah. And what kind of made you go down that particular road? Um, I had been considering both, and there are benefits of both. Um, the The traditional route will definitely help you in terms of getting, I suppose, more publicity uh, and PR. Um, but the... There, it is. It may not be as global, uh, and I felt that self-publishing through Amazon, it was going to be more global. And in this day and age, I suppose um, the world is our oyster, and I would like to be able to reach as many people as possible. Um, and it was that reason I decided to go down the self-publishing route. You have to then do all the work yourself in terms of hiring someone to to edit and format and, and proofread and spell check. Um, and then I had to get someone to design the cover for me. Um, and Can I ask you, before we kind of mm -hmm. go any further, about the name of the book? I mean, mm -hmm. thank you, COVID. And it's not kind of in a sarcastic kind of way, oh, thank you, COVID, what you yeah. to me. It's, um, kind of like, no. it's like, thank you, COVID, because COVID has allowed me to kind of reevaluate my life and I've been able to go in a different direction. So it's thank you, as opposed to, oh, thank you. Yeah, um, I've had I've had I've had two comments about the 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 the, the book title. Um, most have been really really positive, and they've kind of understood what I'm coming from. I've had two that said they didn't like the name, and but to I be think honest, that's because we associate kind of COVID with a negative sort of thing, mm -hmm. and for obvious reasons. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. obvious reasons. But at the same time, what you've done is you've taken the negative and you've kind of put a positive on it so i think yeah. you have to be kind of commended for that you know thank you like i decided when i was thinking of a name and i was as i was coming to the final chapters and i was writing where i am now i i really stressed that had it not been for covid um i probably would have just done what i'd always done when things got too tough which was i would have gone out and danced and drank with a couple of friends or i would have gone on holidays for two weeks to southeast asia and come back and then i would have just repeated the fact is that covid forced me to sit and covid forced me to reevaluate i'm 
I do see a difference between COVID and COVID-19 as the virus. Um, I feel COVID is a time period as much as it was mm. a virus. Uh, and we talk about COVID as a time as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it is that time as opposed to that virus that I'm saying thank you to. Um, we were forced to sit and reevaluate and it did. And my life, some aspects of my life have completely changed. Um, and I would say that if it wasn't for that time, I never would have done what I'd done. And uh, therefore, I am very grateful that it happened. Do you think that, though, do you think if you didn't have that time to kind of stop and reevaluate that you wouldn't be where you are now today? Yeah, I can I can I can honestly say that um, maybe I probably might have gone to counselling. I don't know. At some mm. stage, maybe I don't know. Um, I uh, when I looked back on my life, like when I went into counselling, it wasn't just a reflection on that breakup or that job loss or that apartment. Um, I then started to look at things going back to being a teenager uh, where my self-confidence was so low and I would have been bullied quite a lot in school. So I went back. I decided if I was going to sit down once a week with a, with a counsellor, um, I wrote out a list of everything that still bothered me um, going back to being a teenager. And I went through that list with my counsellor um, and I decided that, OK, I'm going to get the best out of this. But I'm not. I, I don't know. Maybe I would have, maybe I would have had, but I do feel like the amount I did and also losing my job during the pandemic, essentially in some ways I became a little bit like a, a, a monk because I'd still get up at seven o'clock. I do meditation for half an hour. I'd listen to affirmations. I did yoga. I did exercise. I walked. I cooked very healthily. Uh, I ate very healthily. Um, and I think that was because I didn't have anything else to do except focus on myself and getting myself better. Um, and that's, I think that was what COVID allowed me to do that maybe had it been in another time period, I wouldn't have been able to, I would have had to go to work or uh, go and do whatever and else has to do at the weekends. So, yeah. So thank you, really. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What was the most um, rewarding part for you about this self-publishing route you took? You sat back now because that's a really, I've got you thinking now, haven't I? <laughs> um, probably, actually, when my mother read it and she said to me, I'm so proud of you and you've done, this is amazing. Um, and obviously I didn't, I didn't need her to, to say that, um, but it was lovely. Um, and it, yeah, I think that was probably the, the, one of the proudest moments for me of it's it's the book is only out a week and a half so i'm sure there i'm hoping there will be other proud moments but that um as well as getting to physically hold the book when it arrived because um you 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 put it up on on, on the system and whatever else and you're, you're waiting and i was i felt like i was waiting a lifetime for the book to arrive so i could physically hold it uh, and once it arrived then and i got to look at the cover um I was thrilled. Yeah. yeah, you were thrilled. What else were you thinking when you when you had you held the book in your hand for the first time? Um, honestly, I thought, well, this is real, um, and now I'm going to have to do what I've said I've done, um, and I'm going to have to put it out there. Um, and actually, it didn't arrive to me first. It actually arrived to a friend. Um, they had ordered it at the same time, but it arrived to their house first. Oh, wow. So I actually called over um, because they had l allowed me to open up their Amazon parcel oh, um, wow. and to see it. Yeah. So I was a little bit emotional when I saw it, and I thought, okay, wow. Yeah. Uh, here we go. And um, yeah, it's been a really, really, it's been a really fun, interesting experience as well. Um, I've learned an awful lot um, about book writing and editing and whatever else. So from just a general knowledge point of view, it's also been fabulous. Are you planning any more? I think anyone who writes one book then decides very quickly that they'll write more. Um, there has, like, I've tried to, I'm staying focused on this for now, but there are other books in the back of my mind, yeah, that I will at some stage hopefully get to sit down and write. Yeah, and if anybody kind of asked you about, oh, Barry, I'm thinking about writing a book and I'm going to self-publish it, would you have any advice for them? Yeah, I my advice will be to put away your phone, your mobile phone. It's the greatest distraction when you're writing. Um, put, turn it off and put it in another room and uh, just write. Um, get out a laptop and just sit and write. Don't go onto the internet. Just write, write, write. Don't worry about how it sounds. Just keep writing until you feel like you've got everything out that you need to say at that time. I would write in blocks of two or three hours 
um, two or three times a week. But then there was times I didn't write for a month. So when you feel like you can, when you can do it, do it, um, put away the phone. Um, it really was the greatest obstacle for me. Um, you'd be sitting in the middle of writing and someone would ring you and then you wouldn't be able to get back to it. So I'd put my phone away and turn it off. Um, and just write, don't worry about editing. Um, don't worry about your spelling or your grammar that can all be sorted at the end. And that's, I think so many people get get stuck up uh, or stuck on um, the spelling and the grammar at the start. And that's not where you should really be worried about. I think it's just to write your content. And then once it's done, then you can start removing art parts of it or editing parts of it and proofreading it. Um, and that's essentially why you do hire an editor and a proofreader as well, because that's what their job is to do. And in terms of the self-publishing road, <laughs> would you have any kind of tips or something maybe that you've learned that you didn't know before or um the greatest obstacle for me at the moment unfortunately i'm selling it through amazon um and most people in ireland use amazon.co.uk um and for irish authors the biggest obstacle at the moment is that new releases on amazon.co.uk are not able to be shipped to ireland due to brexit Uh so I'm having to direct people to go to Amazon Germany or Amazon.com or Amazon Netherlands to buy it. I've tried to speak to Amazon UK because you can buy other books, but apparently it's an issue with new releases and Brexit. So that probably is the greatest obstacle um, is that people in Ireland use Amazon.co.uk and they keep messaging me saying your book is sold out. And I'm like, no, it's just not available to be shipped to Ireland at the moment. Um, I won't be writing a book. Thank you, Brexit. <laughs> 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 uh, not at the moment. It's definitely stressing me. But yeah. in fairness, I just direct people to Amazon Germany. I think uh, lots of people have got used to buying from Amazon Germany at the moment because a lot of products now are not shippable well, from Amazon UK. Yeah, that's true. That, and of course, yeah. Germany being part of the EU, then there's no problem yeah. there with, with coming yeah. from the EU. You. Um, yeah. Will that change with the Amazon.co.uk after a few mo- after a few months? Once it's yes, kind of, yeah, it will. According to uh, all the because Amazon themselves, when they come back to me, they give me very generic responses. Mm. But according to um, other authors that I've spoken to, that after a couple of months it will change. But when you're doing the initial, I suppose um promotion it people default go to amazon.co.uk and i'm having to stress that they need to go to amazon germany or amazon us and then it'll be shipped there's no problem with shipping from amazon america uh, i don't understand why the problem is, is with amazon.co.uk it may have something to do with the the b word there that we mentioned <laughs> yeah. that shall not be mentioned yeah in terms yeah. of like um authors was there anybody that kind of inspired you or that you had kind of that you were a big fan of that um, I read lots of books um, and Louise Hay, uh, Heal Your Life was probably one of the, uh, it was a fa- fabulous book for me. Um, there was another author, I can't think of his name, but his book is called The Art of Not Giving an F and I won't swear, yeah. um, but it's a fabulous book. Um, it's a bright orange cover. Um, I loved it. It really stands out. Um, there's been a number uh, of books. I read another book, Who Moved My Cheese, which was all about a mouse. It's a metaphorical book. It's all about a mouse who struggles to deal with change um, and how when we're resistant to change, we end up being the ones that are upset and stressed by it. Which um, is true. That is so true. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, 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 listen, the self-help and, and personal development genre, there's so many of them. Um, it's, 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 it's fantastic that so many people, I suppose, have been brave enough to put out their stories, um, and to inspire others. I want to kind of come round now to your life mm-hmm. coaching because you are a life coach. Yes. And again, to kind of come back to one of the questions I asked you earlier about what inspired you to become a life coach, but you know. Yeah. So, um, I had, after I had been through the counseling experience, I suppose that had been very much reflecting on past and present. And I was unemployed and I thought, what am I going to do next? I don't know what I want to do next. And uh, a friend of mine who I used to work with, a friend of hers was studying to be a life coach and needed to do some pro bono uh, sessions. So I was doing some pro bono free sessions with him while he was studying. And I really got into, I loved the fact that I was focusing on my present and my future. Um, And the future, I suppose, gives us optimism. Mm. And I was really curious then after a couple of 
I had done maybe a couple of weeks with him and I decided, okay, um, I'd like to learn a little bit more about this. I'm really enjoying looking at, at future focused. Um, and then I just looked at a course and I thought, okay, in the back of my mind, I'd always thought that I would do something a little bit like this, either counseling or therapist or, or whatever else. But I decided, right, let's go, um, and, and, and look at the life coaching. So I studied with the Irish Life Coach Institute in Dublin, um, last year. And of course, with this kind of business, you can do this from anywhere, because obviously you're based in County Leash and we're based up here yeah. in Goli, but I could literally go to you and we could do this like through Zoom yeah. or Skype or whatever. So, I mean, that's great in that sense. It is. Yeah, it is. And I have and I'm very blessed to say that I have clients now um, in, in, in numerous different countries and, and in numerous different parts of Ireland. Um, and it makes it very... I suppose private and confidential, but also convenient that people can do it when it suits them yeah. uh, and me, and we can kind of find a time that works and a schedule that works for them. And uh, it, it is it is incredible to be able to. I suppose that the nature of of life coaching now and counselling is that it can be done online, and mm. for a lot of people actually they feel more comfortable doing it in their own home. Um, they, they're in a space that they know and familiar, uh, and they're able to talk openly. That is true, because when you go to meet somebody for the first time, particularly, obviously, a stranger in this case, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing can be a little bit sort of, it can be intimidating to a certain degree. And then yeah. I suppose once you kind of get comfortable, you know, it, it can it can change, obviously. But just the initial meeting is always going to be one where it's a little bit sort of maybe uncomfortable, you know. Yeah. And I see that when when clients come to meet me face to face, because I also do face to face sessions that sometimes for the first 20 minutes or 30 minutes, they can be they can feel a little bit. But that's part of my job to make them feel as comfortable as possible. And I and I let them know before they come that, look, the first session is very much us both getting to know each other, kind of working out what you want. Uh, we'll do a little bit of work, but it's not really until the second and third session that we're actually going to get into a more deeper kind of understanding. That was my question was about your approach. How do you approach with clients when you initially start? So you kind of, you kind of answered that there really, haven't you? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I suppose I, I very much like, it's very much client directed. So they will decide what they want to focus on. Um, and my job, I suppose, is to try and assist them and to break it down into actionable goals, whether it's to change job or get back out dating or mm. uh, to go traveling or to, to build back up their self-confidence or, or whatever it is. People come to coaching for a variety of reasons. Um, and very much I allow them to kind of set the tone and, and decide what they want to do. And my job is to essentially to try and support in the best way possible. How do you uh, work with clients that come to you that perhaps have anxiety or mental health stress and just worries and, and in general? Yeah, so I suppose uh, there is a there is a difference between counselling and and life coaching. If somebody is, um, if for instance, if I was to come for to a life coaching session in the situation that I was in previously, uh, it would be better that the life coach would make a referral onto a counsellor or therapist because it was very much the past, and that's not where life coaching would really work with. We can obviously, especially when it comes to dating confidence, look at the past, but um, if somebody is dealing. St- for instance, dealing with panic attacks or stress, I have worked with them in the past in, and we'd look at things like breathwork techniques. We'd look at maybe introducing some journaling to see what actually uh, is going on, maybe getting them to try and, I suppose, go a little bit deeper. I also do Reiki. So um, as a Reiki practitioner then as well, I would work on trying to, I suppose, get people's anxiety and stress levels down as well. Do the two of those work in tandem or we'll say, you know, do you know what I mean? Kind of like, can I go to you um, to do the life coaching? And then you could say to me, well, maybe how would you feel about doing a, a Reiki session? Or do they kind of work in tandem? They do. Um, and very often you have people coming for one and then they'll, they'll come for another, the other um, and vice versa. Um, so, And I do try and incorporate both elements within either a coaching or a Reiki session. So if I'm doing a Reiki session, there'll always be an element of my coaching in it uh, and vice versa. Um and I, it, they do work very well. Reiki, Reiki for me was a fabulous way to get down my stress levels. I, I remember my first Reiki session, I spent the first hour crying on the bed and all the lady kept saying to me is, this is excellent. This is excellent. Let it out. Um, and it did. And it felt excellent afterwards. So um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and for me, again, that was something that I decided to study last year. Um, with the Dublin Wellness Centre and uh, it was completely well worth doing. It's a, it's a, 
fabulous ancient uh, form of of energy healing that gets you to just completely relax and um i think it's well worth anyone trying if they have never tried a reiki session in terms of the coaching barry what do you find the most rewarding um i think i find the most rewarding is when someone uh, says to me like that things have worked out or that things are going well for them or that uh another another thing i love is when people say i would never have tried that only for you gave me the confidence to believe i could do it um and i'm not really doing that what it is is i'm trying to pair away their own insecurities i'm not telling them you're a great chap or a great girl you'll be well able for it i'm just trying to pair away insecurities that people may have um and trying to support them and if you could we'll say go in a time machine right and we go back five years Mm-hmm. And if you could look at the version of yourself now, would you recognize yourself, do you think? Probably not. Mm. Um, obviously, I, 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 I have got a little bit older, but um, yeah, I, I think I have changed. Um, I And I think my friends and my family see it. I am an awful lot more... Um, I wouldn't say super confident, but I'm an awful lot more confident in myself. Um, I'm awful, an awful lot more happier in myself. I'm more content uh, in my own company. Um, I sleep much better. I um, I'm not worrying. I used to have an awful. I used to be an awful worrier, and I would have reoccurring worrying thoughts going through my mind. And I've learned to control those thoughts. Um, would they be about the future or would they have been about the past or everything, yeah. everything. Uh, and if something, and I mentioned this in the book that if something bad happened, everything else that was a worry in my head would then come around and decide that they all wanted to talk in my head at the same time. Uh, and I would feel then even more stressed because it wasn't just that one issue. So for instance, when I had the breakup, then everything else that ever happened, every other breakup came into my mind. Uh, that's that's very hard. We uh, self-sabotage we... ourselves completely then, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when I did counselling, I also did cognitive behavioural therapy, which I found a great help in terms of controlling thoughts. Um, mindfulness is another great way of controlling thoughts. Um, it's not that... It's one of the things that I meet all the time and obstacles I meet all the time when I say to people, oh, uh, about meditation, they say, I can't meditate, I think too much. Mm. And I remind them that that's not actually, people that meditate, we have this vision of people up on the side of a mountain in Thailand or India with nothing in their brain. Mm. That's not the way it works. Their mind is just as full of thoughts as the rest of us. It's that they don't cling to the thoughts. They let the thoughts move on. Um a euphemism I've heard for our thoughts is to imagine it like a leaf on a on a on a, on a river. Uh, there's lots of leaves on the river. If we keep focusing on just one leaf, uh, it'll stick there and stay there. We have to just let it flow past us. We look at the leaf, we let it we let it flow past. Another leaf is going to come, and another leaf is going to come. We don't just focus on that single leaf. Um, really and that's like kind that. of how I've looked at it. Yeah, I really yeah. like that analogy. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm just visualizing that now, like the river, <laughs> the leaf, and then all these other leaves just all yeah. flowing past us. They'll just people say clouds, people say ducks, yeah. people say leaves. I just like the leaf. Um, I suppose on my book you'll see that there's um, I oak trees are my favorite tree. Um, so uh, there's oak leaves on that on it. Um, why? For that why reason. is the oak your favorite tree? I just love this, the idea of something so small. Um, and I've since primary school, um, we have planted oak trees uh, in, in our house. So yeah. I've always planted oak trees and and, and just loved them. Uh, I suppose the Irish oak is gorgeous. So and the fact that uh, you live for hundreds of years. Yes, and, and you can something so tiny can be so yeah. powerful. And and also not only just such a majestic tree, but also just a source of so much food and and shelter and nutrients for other species as well. So um, something beautiful comes out of just a tiny little acorn. I was looking on your website, barrywilliams.com, and I came across a portion of it that you were talking about dating and helping people to date with confidence and Mm -hmm. purpose. Yes. Now, maybe you can explain that statement. Yeah, so I think sometimes people date, um, I know I would have dated just in, in a sense that I felt I had to meet somebody, that all my siblings had met somebody that I needed to get into a relationship. Um, and when we date with more purpose and, and confidence, we are better able to filter out those that maybe are not compatible with us or those that have red flags that we continue to ignore and mm. uh, that we're able to 
we're able to say, actually, you know, this is not the relationship I need to be in, that we're confident enough to be able to turn around and say, sorry, this is not going to work for me. And likewise, that we can also ask questions that are more impactful and meaningful. Um, I always say to any friends of mine or any clients that are coming that are single, that when they're dating, they should be asking people, like, what are you seeking in life? What are you looking for in life? Um, and going deep with the questions and not being afraid to go deep with the questions. I say it in the book that when I went back out dating that I asked questions and if I didn't get the response that I felt was mature enough, then that I re recognized that maybe that person wasn't, didn't have the emotional ma maturity that I needed now. Um, and I think that's important that we're meeting people, not only people judge others on jobs or body shape or whatever else. I think it's really important that we start looking at emotional intelligence and finding that um, attractive. I, I've always said that someone that says they've been to counseling or therapy is, is incredibly sexy because to be able to say that you've spent time on yourself to work through your own baggage, that's a beautiful thing. Um, and I think that that person that's been through a counseling experience is actually a very healthy person to be able to date with because if you've been to counseling once, you are more than likely, if you ever need to, you're more than you're probably more than confident enough to go back and do it again or to try something else. Um, and I think that's really important that we do, um, I suppose, invest our time and our energy in partners that have a level of emotional intelligence. And possibly all, well, not possibly, but share the same values that we yeah. share as well. Yeah. And, and, and I mentioned love languages and attachment theory because I think it's really important that we look at our love languages and our attachment theory in terms of how, um, how the other person. So for instance, I have an anxious attachment. It isn't beneficial to me to date someone with an avoidant attachment because there's going to be a clash every time I feel in a relate no uh, historically every time i would have felt maybe that the relationship wasn't going in a, in a great position i naturally would pull closer to the other partner while if they felt that it wasn't in a great way they would pull away from the relationship and if you have someone that's avoidant and anxious the anxious is coming closer the avoidant is pulling away mm -hmm. that's going to make the anxious person feel even more anxious two avoidance will just pull each other apart ideally about 50 percent of people are secure 25% are avoidant and 25% have an anxious attachment. Uh, ideally, uh, you want to meet someone that recognizes their attachment and tries to work towards it. Uh, and to, I suppose, and to get an understanding of what, what, tri what triggers them in a relationship and how they can overcome those triggers. You also talk about listening to your, your gut or listening to your instincts. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes we don't always do that, particularly when it no. comes to dating, do we? No. And like, sometimes we'll know, okay, this isn't, this isn't where I should be. Um, but, uh, we do feel that societal pressure to settle down. Um, or we do feel that, gosh, I've been dating them for a year. I may stay in the relationship or whatever else. And there's that's also that not... thing about being on your own, that there's that <laughs> fear of just, you know, being, being alone and not being with somebody. Yeah. And I think for some, I know for myself, I think being on my own showed that maybe I was unlovable and that wasn't true either. That wasn't a, a fair reflection. Um, it was just that in some ways I had been dating um, without purpose and I'd been kind of willy nilly anybody that seemed interested. I thought, well, let's go on a date, but avoided all the red flags from even the, the first initial conversation on Tinder. Mm. Um, while now well, I'm not single now, but if I had, if I was single ever again in the future, I wouldn't necessarily fall into those old patterns again. Because you mentioned uh, a dating platform there. I mean, that's kind of where we're at now, isn't it? Yeah. It's about the kind of the virtual world and dating online. And I mean, yes. that can be so tricky to, to navigate and to work your way through. And I mean, that's, yes. you know, it's just, that's where we're at. And I think that I don't know if we have quite caught up to that in terms of ourselves, if you know what I mean. Uh, I think like online dating is challenging. Um, I think it's probably more challenging than, it, than, than it's becoming even more challenging because I hear from friends of mine, especially uh, people who maybe have gone through a divorce and now are looking to meet someone else. They're, they feel that there's an awful lot of cheats on, on, on dating apps, or there's an awful lot of people that are not being true in terms of what they're looking for. They're saying they're looking for a relationship, but they're clearly not looking for a relationship. Um, I do think it's important that if the other person says to you, I'm not looking for a relationship, that you accept that that's maybe they're looking for something entirely casual. Um, and you're and not that, going to change that. 
No. No. And so, I think I don't. Yeah. We kill ourselves said, that we're going to be able to change that person and be like, oh, well, they say yeah. they're not, but like I'll work on them and eventually they will. But it's not, you're just kidding yourself, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. And, and and I've seen it as well with, especially with, with girlfriends of mine that they'd say, oh, uh, he doesn't want kids. And I'm like, but you do want kids. And they're like, oh, yeah, but maybe he'll change his mind in four years time. And I'd say, OK, but if he doesn't change his t- mind in four years time, where does that leave you? Mm. And that's that's where you're trying to get the kind of that thought process of of you you are sacrificing an aspect of yourself to be with somebody else. Um, it's important that you it would be it, honestly, my advice would be better to wait and to try and find someone that's a lot that aligns with your values mm. and what you want out of life. Uh, there, there, there's for every, you often hear people say, Oh, there's, there's no good men or no good women out there anymore. It's completely untrue. There's plenty. Um, and it's just a case of finding people that align with your values. I always say to people, be true to yourself. Mm. Uh, because I think if that's what you put out, if you put out your true self to others, then that's what you, you'll hopefully be met back with. And if someone rejects your true self, then that's not the person you need to be with. And I don't think sometimes when we get a knockback dating, whether someone ghosts us or whether someone doesn't want to go on a second or third or fifth date, don't necessarily view that as a ne- negative or a setback. I think it's it's allowing, I, I would now say it's allowing you to, I suppose, to clear the field, uh, to go again, uh, to, st- to, to, to be able to, I suppose, to meet someone that aligns better with you, that sometimes it's trial and error. And it is very much, and I mentioned this in the book, it is very much a numbers game. You do need to go on plenty of dates uh, to meet someone that is more compatible with you uh, and then to recognize that they're compatible with you. And communication is also really important, how we communicate our desires, our wants, but also within the relationship, when you're in a relationship, to be able to communicate, maybe if someone's behavior triggers you or upsets you, that rather than bottle it up, that you say, hey, look, I'm not 100% comfortable with that, or I don't like when you say that to me in that way is there another way that maybe we could do that um and I what think, if you, know, you i'm probably going to answer my own question when i say this to you but what if you feel as though that they are not listening to what you're saying to them so for example you know you're saying communication is important and then you tell them oh look i'm not happy with what you've done there or how you're treating me and they say oh i'm sorry i won't do it again but then suddenly you find yourself maybe a month later or two months later, back in the same position again, where obviously they haven't been listening to you. And what happens next? Yeah, I think I think also as well, there's a need to sit back and say to yourself, "Is this really uh, is important for you?" First of all, is this really critical for you? If is and if it is, then you need to question yourself. Do you need to remind them one more time or, and it's not about giving an ultimatum. Do you need to remind them being like, Hey, look, I thought we cleared the air on this. Was there some confusion around what I said? Um, and if there's constant a violation of, I suppose, an agreement or a trust or whatever else, then there needs to be question marks for you. Is this the relationship you want to be in? Is, are you going to be comfortable with this continuous? continuously happening and, and, and being an ongoing thing. Um, and that's where I suppose the individual needs to take power into their own hands as well and say, it isn't a case of uh, waiting for someone else to, to break up with you. Maybe it's a need for you to be able to turn around and say, look, this is actually really, really important for me. And if you can't respect that, then this maybe isn't going to be the relationship that I can remain in. Um, I'm not advocating that everyone breaks up if there's, if there's difficulties, but I think that's why it's important to identify, is this really something that's important for you? Is this really a core value for you? Or is it something that actually maybe you can look at differently? Is it just a minor thing or is it a major thing? And if it is a major thing, then obviously communicate it again see if there's anything that maybe wasn't clear with the original conversation but if it if it is clear and if there's constant i suppose violations of that then you need to question is this where is this where you want to be because obviously when you're going for your date you're going to be looking well you're going to have your hair cut or done Mm -hmm. or whatever the case might be so Mm -hmm. on the outside you're this presentable person but like on the inside there may be some work that you need to do on yourself to get yourself into the position to be able to go on this date so that you can present the best version of yourself and this is where you would come in with your yes you know one-on-one dating coaching because we shouldn't think of this as something that we can't do like i mean this is something we can do is is get ourselves ready to go on a date and get back yeah. especially if you come from like a long-term relationship and you're getting back out there into the dating world again you're kind of having to do a little bit of a reset and kind of you know get yourself 
ready again. And, and, and I suppose that's the kind of client, a lot of the clients that I would be working with would be maybe have come from a long-term relationship or come out of a marriage and they're now looking to date and maybe they haven't dated for 20 or 30 mm. years or 15 years. It's a completely different world. And the whole Tinder world seems like a minefield for them. Mm. So they're very, they're very nervous. They're afraid of what to do. They're afraid uh, maybe there's, other insecurities around what will the parents think, what would the children think, what will the siblings think. Um, and that's where I would work with them to try and build up their own self-confidence as opposed to um, as opposed to just allowing them to go out and maybe. And we do, unfortunately, have to make mistakes dating. Uh, that's where we can learn. And we also have, I always say, a negative dating experience is a really positive experience because it does allow you to show what you actually don't want out of dating somebody. Um, it isn't a case of, oh, gosh, I'm never going. And, and I've heard it so many times. I'm never going on a date again. That was a disaster. And I always remind you, but that's actually a really positive because it's shown you exactly what you don't want, the exact kind of man or woman that you don't want. So that in itself is a positive. Um, it's allowing you to start to visualize the kind of relationship, kind of dating partner that you want. I never thought of that until you kind of said it there like that. This is not what I'm looking for, as opposed to being like, oh my goodness, that was the worst date I ever had in my life. I, I'm so sick of it now. But actually... Yeah. Okay, you know now that that's not what you want. So then yeah. it helps you kind of weed out some of the other possible, you know, situations you don't want to find yourself in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like with your life coaching, if somebody wants to kind of come to you with, because obviously you're very knowledgeable about this in fairness. I mean, I'm, I'm very interested in hearing what you have to say about this. If somebody wanted to come to you with the one-on-one -on -one dating coaching you can do this virtually as well and yes yeah absolutely they can just get in contact with me either on instagram it's barry williams coach or on my website is barrywilliamscoach.com um barry what do you have in store for the future i know you're doing your life coaching you're a reiki master you've got your book now obviously which is out there for everyone to, yes. to get their copy um what else is in store um, to be honest with you, I suppose I would love to, a couple of people have said to me, would I ever consider doing podcasting? And I've said at the moment, no, um, but it is something that in the back of my mind, I would love to start looking at. I think the podcasting world very much excites me um, and I would love to look at it. But for now, I suppose I'm going to, uh, one of the things that I've learned also was not to take too much on my plate because it leaves me feeling burnt out. So for the moment, I'm looking very much looking forward to a hopefully beautiful Irish summer um, and to enjoy it. Um, I want to focus on, I suppose, growing my coaching, my coaching business and my Reiki business and to promote the book for the summer. So um, I, I, I really value, I suppose, not taking too much on my plate. And it would have been something that I would have done in the past and then I would have felt burnt out. And now... Again, going back to that ability to say no, or I'm not taking on an extra project at the moment. I want to focus uh, on what I have in front of me. Um, so podcasting is something I definitely will look at, but in its own time. And your book is, of course, called Thank You, COVID. It's available. Thank You, COVID. You were saying through Amazon.de might be the best route to get it. Amazon.de, Amazon.com or Amazon.nl, which is the Netherlands. So any of those, you can get the book shipped to Ireland. Uh, on you can buy it on Kindle on Amazon.co.uk. Oh, wow. So for your summer holidays, if you're like get, bringing your Kindle with you, you'll be able to get a, a yes. copy of it downloaded to it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. It's on Kindle and print as well. Yeah. And yeah. your website is barrywilliams.com and you've... Barrywilliamscoach.com. Barrywilliams.com and your Instagram handle is... Barrywilliamscoach. Great. Barry, I could talk to you literally for ages, but um, unfortunately we got to wrap the show up. Um, thank you so much for your time. I know you've been really busy, so I really appreciate you making the effort to um, come on to the show today. Thank you so much. Paul, thank you so much. Um, and that's it for today's episode of Mind the Head. Thank you so much for listening along. I'll be back with you again next week. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty, a weekly show that focuses on mental health and well-being. Sundays on Lockray Community Radio, brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care, funeral directors caring for your peace of mind.